Hey there. Welcome to the Health Data Ethics Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Owens. In this episode, we're going to continue our series on the AI Bill of Rights recently released by the federal government. Uh, if you need a quick overview, the previous episode has a quick overview of the five rights identified um, by the White House and the Office for Science and Technology, um, safe and effective systems, freedom from algorithmic discrimination, data privacy, uh, notice and explanation of when artificial intelligence is being used, and the existence of human alternatives. In this episode, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about safe and effective systems. And we're going to spend time talking about safe and effective systems, not only in the framework laid out by the federal government, but also some suggestions of how this might apply to uh, both artificial intelligence in the healthcare setting, and then two, the governance of artificial intelligence in the healthcare setting. So I'm, I'm thinking about this from three, three separate aspects, right? What does the government say? Um, what could AI do in the healthcare setting? And if I'm a chief information officer or a lowly, you know, IT business partner in a healthcare IT group, what do I want to think about as we're seeing these new technologies come in and we see people get really excited about it? What things do I need to have in the back of my mind so that we do this responsibly? And when I say this, I mean, implement AI into a healthcare environment. So the broad strokes when we say that you have a right to safe and effective systems, this means that you should be protected from unsafe and ineffective systems, which seems very straightforward on the face of it. Um, the government goes into greater detail and they, they say some really, uh, some really intriguing things. First, they say that the public should be consulted in all phases of artificial intelligence system development um, with an emphasis on early stage consultation. In the healthcare space, if I'm thinking about this, this sounds to me like we need patient advocates involved. This sounds like we need to have patients involved in some of the governments and some of the discussion. We need to be to take patient perspectives into account when we're setting our artificial intelligence priorities. This is a, a really great place to start. Um, they mention, so, and when I say they, I mean the Office of Science and Technology and the White House. Um, they mentioned that there should be extensive testing before deployment. When we think about this in a healthcare setting, I immediately think that you can train an artificial intelligence on data and it, it, and you can fine tune it so that it performs beautifully, but will it perform just as beautifully on the data in my health system? Is it going to reproduce those results? So to me, if I'm thinking about a governance framework for artificial intelligence within the walls of a health system, this says to me that we need to do a pilot to make sure that we are seeing the same benefits with our data as we are with the training data. Uh, risk mitigation and ident risk identification and then mitigation is also called out as a responsibility, which makes perfect sense. Uh, there's also a recommendation for ongoing monitoring, which I think is great. I think if we are auditing our applications and our systems at least yearly uh, for disaster recovery and business continuity to make sure that everything is still being treated with the same level of urgency that, that it deserves, I think we can also ask that we monitor the outputs of our artificial intelligences. This risk score that we are relying on for let us pick a hypothetical example. This risk score that we are relying on to triage our patients as they come into the ED, is it still performing the way it was when we started? Has the algorithm grown and changed with our with a new technology, with new medical technology, with new understanding of the way the human body works, with changes to our hospital operations? I think it's a good thing to monitor these. I would recommend probably at least once a year. And then they, they, they finally wrap up by, by recommending clear organizational oversight. 
And this is an area where I'm really curious to see how healthcare organizations morph and change a little bit, because to have a clear organizational oversight, not only for deciding which systems get implemented and which do not, you know, if I have a choice of two, say, sepsis systems, right, how do I determine which one is best? Or, you know, there are approximately 60,000 different systems that will tell you whether a patient is at risk for post-operative complications. Um, we have a bunch of algorithms that that propose to deliver, you know, information about their productive le- length of stay. Um, okay, so upstream, absolutely. Who can give us a yes or no on whether we are going to implement those? And then who is going to weigh in on the continued optimization and uh, effectiveness of these systems? I think that that's all part of the clear organizational oversight. And this is an area that I expect to see grow a lot in healthcare IT, because we don't, we have a lot of people um, who have thoughts and feelings and opinions about which AI systems we should be implementing. And right now, I would love to see much more compliance and effectiveness measurement post-implementation. Um The recommendation by the Office of Science and Technology in the White House is to avoid inappropriate data use and compounded harm of reuse. So if you're using inappropriate data, can we, A, can we stop it? And then B, can we not reuse and and regurgitate the same data sets leading to the same bad conclusions? Um, This is already in the healthcare setting a little bit covered by HIPAA, but HIPAA is a a broad standard. Um, The minimum necessary standard is very easy to interpret um, in any number of ways, both very narrowly and very broadly. Um, So I think it is good to keep in mind that we should be releasing only the information that is truly necessary. Um, We want to make sure that we are tracking and reviewing our data sources. Uh, We want to make sure that we know that the data we're pulling is actually what we think it is and that we're measuring what we think we are. Um, And we need to demonstrate the safety and the effectiveness of the system. In the citations of this discussion, I found a, a great paper with an example of a sepsis um, risk calculator. So the this sepsis risk calculator was intended to raise an alert for patients who were at an increased risk for developing sepsis. And at the University of Michigan, they they tested this model. It um it had been developed by it, it had been developed by Epic. Um, so in 2018, 2019, the University of Michigan and Michigan Medicine tested the model in their own patient population. Um, I could do a deeper dive on this paper, and I probably will because I, fa- I found their conclusions really interesting. But the the broad conclusions are that the sepsis algorithm, the sepsis AI, caught seven percent of sepsis cases that the physicians had missed. So seven percent of sepsis cases that did not receive antibiotics in a timely manner. Seven percent. That is cool, right? It missed sixty seven percent of all sepsis patients, and it threw an alert on 18% of all patients that were submitted to this algorithm. Um, so we have contributed significantly to alert fatigue. We have not contributed significantly to um, a, a we, I often think about artificial intelligence as a safety net, right? Like, will it be there to catch you if the doctor misses something? This algorithm missed 67% of the sepsis patients. It is not going to catch a doc when, it, when the doc falls. It caught 7% of sepsis cases where the doc did miss, which is great, right? We cannot, we, that, that's, that's nothing to sneeze at, but the, the cost both human and operational and financial of missing 
that much sepsis, that many sepsis patients and of the alert fatigue and the, the throwing an alert on 18% of patients, like the, the costs and the downsides of implementing this sepsis model are, are high. So these are the kind of things that we need to think about when we're thinking about efficacy, when we're thinking about safety, not only does the algorithm, does it do what it says it does, but also does it not do what we're hoping it's not going to do? And is it contributing to all of the other factors that are weighing down our health system? Is it contributing to alert fatigue? Is it contributing to lagginess in our in our IT systems? So if you have to wait 15 to 20 seconds to get a result back or an alert, are you going to spend that 15 to 20 seconds at the patient's bedside? Or are you going to look at something and then move on? Um, these are all, this is a really interesting and really good framework that I think we can start from as we're starting to build a framework for AI governance within a healthcare system. So making sure that systems are safe and effective, making sure that we're getting patient perspectives as well as caregiver and operational perspectives, and making sure that we understand that the, that the algorithm is going to perform as we intend it to and not perform as we don't intend it to.